0: is not it feeling a difference, different today? Feels a bit more like family, like a feels like a meeting. This feels more like family. So I want to say to you, I feel like the Lord is um, he's teaching us to dig wells. You now we want we want wells, not systems. You know the difference? A well produces water, but a system sustain, sustained it holds water. And without a well flowing through the Holy Spirit, we'll get dry and we'll stop being able to actually produce water us. So as we're having times like this where we're moving chairs around and we're worshiping, which is maybe a little bit longer than what we used to. And we're waiting on the Holy Spirit. He's teaching us to give wells. And sometimes the sound is gonna be, we've just got new equipment, so it's high tech equipment, but we're working it out. So sometimes the voices are going to be too soft and the guitar's going to be too hard. But you know what? Worship is about more than that. If one Sunday nobody arrived here, we had no plans, and one person just started to sing, that would be worship. Maybe we will do that one Sunday. Just to break the thing because it's not a, we're not about systems. This walk with the Lord is not about systems. He'll stop this entire meeting for one person. just to to minister to him, because he cares so much about it. So I'm really, really excited about what the Lord is doing in this space. um, We've got a couple of people that are not here that are still just recovering, so we're probably missing, what, like eight people, ten people? Um, So, yeah, man, we love those guys. And I encourage you to just keep reaching out to them, keep praying for them. They're part of our family. yeah, so we'll see what, we'll see what the Lord does. So if we can go to Luke twelve verse thirty-five. I had a pitch prepared and then we went to a leader's meeting and the Lord completely changed it. Which is He loves to do that with me. Um so I'm gonna read you this is quite a lot of scripture, so just try and stay with me, um, but then we'll get to we'll get to the good stuff. So it's from Luke twelve, thirty-five to 38, or actually thirty-five, all the way down to forty-five minutes And it says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Like men waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve and then have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if it's in the second or the third watch of the night. It says, But understand this if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you do not expect. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? And in the context of this, there was thousands of people around. And he said, the Lord answered, Who then is faithful and a wise manager? Who the master puts in charge of his servants and get to give them their food and allowance at a proper time. But will be good for this for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns? Truly I tell you, I will put he will put him in charge of All his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, "My master is taking too long. My master is taking a long time in coming," and he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and to drink and to get drunk. The master of that servant will come in a day when he does not expect it, and at an hour he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows his master's will and does not get ready and does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does know and does these does things deserve their punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded, and from the one who has been entrusted with much, more, much more will be asked as we read through that we get this this picture this 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 image of a servant and a master servant waiting he's been given trust he's been given authority he's been given responsibility over others and i know in this time and age when we think of the word servant it's got a negative connotation hasn't it it's like you know servant to someone who's got no rights and they're just there and we give them absolutely no respect and and we just they're just there to make our lives easier. Um, in some certain, certain circumstances, actually, the Bible does actually speak about us as Christians as being slaves. We are slaves to Christ. But in this for today, I want to put a slightly different uh, spin on this. So if we were going to call this anything, I would say stewards and stewards and saints. So many, many years ago, which is I don't know, we're a young couple. Uh, I used to work already. <laughs> but uh I worked for an office automation company in Richards Bay. Every couple of months our directors um, would go away for for a weekend or for a week on holiday and uh, and then they'd ask us to look after their house. So like, as a young couple, you know, you're not used to the good things in life. Right? So I mean these like when they went away um, they, had, they had an amazing home, it was really, it was great. I mean, they had, at that stage, there was still a DVD player with the big screen TV surround sound, like all the DVDs in the world that you could watch. It was amazing. They had a bar and a pool table and a board. board. They had this massive pool. Um, and where we were in Pongini, which Bay it was really hot. So a pool was like a fireplace in Cape up. It was that good. And then what they do is they go and buy they fill the house up with like snacks and meat and like everything we would need for that week. They would put it in there and, and they treat us because they knew we were a young couple and we weren't used to like all of these wonderful things. Um, so they really tried to make it as easy as they possibly could. And we had we had the, the pin to their alarm and the front door remote and we had access to one of their vehicles if we needed to use it. So we we were in a position of great actual lack of luxury here but yet we still had responsibilities there were still things that were required of us and um, some of those things that we needed to make sure were getting done as in, in in circumstances good stewards because they had asked us to steward their home and their belongings and their pets and everything that they had for the time that they were away so they had dogs that we needed to get, make sure the dogs get fed and got taken for a walk. We had to make sure that the house was neat and tidy. And when we left in the mornings to go to work, the dog didn't run out because he was one that tried to get up the gate. We needed to make sure that we were stewing, close the gate, put the alarm on. There were things we needed to physically do while we were having all this fun. And at night we got to swim in their pool and just little was so lacca. But I also every second day I had to net the pool, get the leaves up, make sure I put the pool pump on in the morning when I left, and then when I came home at night, I put it off because there wasn't automatic timers at that, that time. So there was stuff that I was expected to do. And there was all of all of what they had was accessible to me. But I needed to do it. I needed to look after it. So in a sense, while we had all this, we were their servants, we were their students. And we were looking after at that stage, they didn't have kids or they did maybe just a you tasha. Know, Natasha. So that was pretty much their most, um, their most precious tools given to us. And I can remember, like in the first few days, you actually just it's like, woo, you're rocking, man. We had like a mini holiday, we were swimming and eating food and braying and playing games. And we had some friends over on the weekend, which they knew about, so it was like an <laughs> like, part the party, they, they said it's fine. Um, but you could start to feel as, as, they were, as the master, as the owners of the home were starting to come back, you started to kind of scale down and, and, and start realizing, behold, this is not my home nah. anymore. <laughs> I need to start preparing to go back to my home. But by the same token, I need to make sure that their house looks even better than it did when they were off. So we'd, we'd make sure everything was clean and if there was any glasses that had got broken we'd go and replace the glasses and we would make sure that everything looked 100%, even better than when they arrived. And, um, and you can imagine, when you've gone on holiday, you know what it's like. Even though holidays are like a homeless home man, it's like you come back to your own spot. And you know, if you've been travelling far, even if you've been flying, you know at that stage you were going to drive at least two hours to get to the airport to Durban too far from Bolini Richards Bay so you would have had a drive, and we would know that these guys typically would be quite tired and they'd be maybe a little bit grumpy you know but you could just almost sense the feeling of relief as they'd come home and they'd see their dog and he was well fed and we'd walk through the house and say listen everything is fine the pool is nice and clean there's nothing missing, broken or stolen from the bar. The pool table still functions. The dark is still in its place. You know, the house is standing. There was just a sense of, oh, I've made a good choice. I've trusted this to the right person. And inevitably, they'd pull out a little envelope with some cash and give us a little bit of cash to say, thank you for looking after our house. And thank you for being faithful. And... Um, what actually happened was it wasn't long after that, that I started to then, because of my faithfulness in their home, promotion started to come my way in the workplace. And even as a young salesman who didn't have a lot of experience, I was given one of their biggest accounts, which is the University of Zulu, which was one of the top earning accounts. So within six to eight months, I've been given stewardship over that account. It was my responsibility to make sure that the clients were happy they were getting the service they needed but also it was a quick growing account so there was great opportunities for me to earn commission and it wasn't very long after that that within 18 months i was fortunate enough to get a trip and i went with the guys to red up to greece and that was one for all expenses paid week in greece which was phenomenal and then i got made sales manager at like 22, after 18 months in this organisation, I was made sales manager, looking after men and women at the 13 40, and they had to come and answer to me, which if you ask tell was a very difficult time in my life, because they didn't want to answer to it, it was not proper. They thought they knew exactly what was happening, and quite frankly, I didn't know what was happening. But the principle remained that when we steward things well, more is given. I'm sure in this house we can we can attest to this thing. We can see this thing. So stewardship, I believe, is something that really, really, really is on the heart of God. And he's always asking us, always asking us to steward stuff. And one day, when our master returns, and quite frankly, I believe that time is ever approaching. Like we are just getting there quicker and quicker and quicker. When he comes back, each of us will stand before him and give an account for that which we've stewarded. And if we've stewarded things well, there will be a reward. And if we've stewarded things poorly, then we will miss out on reward. And that's quite a difficult, that's a difficult concept to grapple with that we'll miss out on reward. Because this is that really a punishment. But think about it like this. When Benny came home, and he had that little envelope of cash in his left pocket, and he walks through the front door, and he sees that the stove's not working, and the pool is green, and the, the, there's chairs broken. That reward that he prepared for me stays in his pockets. Mm-hmm. Because he knows that he now needs to go and fix what I've been steered by. It's, quite, it's an interesting concept, huh? Hey? And he'll and, and be so with the Lord. It says on that last day there will be tears. Will 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 bless us oh, uh, if I if I, if I could have stood it there, would, that would have been my reward. Because for those of us that are in ask Jesus, works don't right stewardship of stuff doesn't get us to heaven. We get to heaven by like Christ alone. That that has to be said. It's not. I'm not advocating works yet today. Behavior modification. What I'm advocating is that as we get entrusted by things like by God, we have the opportunity to do something with it. And we've got what well, I love, one of the things I love about this church and this specific group of people is that we're actually so like this. We've got youngsters and older people, young couples, singles, married couples, people that have come out of divorce. We've got all sorts of people in this church. And each one of you might think, Well, oh, what do I really have? Connor might be What do I have to do? I'm just a thirteen year old school guy. Or, my mom might be going, well, oh, I'm an old oh, married lady, what can I possibly do? You know? Or some of the other singles in the house might be going, well, I don't have a home, I don't drink I've got a small car. What is that? And what I'm hoping to do is to show you that you and us and all of us have all been given stewardship over things. Right now, in this life, that the Lord will ask us to give an account for it. And my job as father in the house as a leader is to poke and prod and to encourage and to inspire and to challenge and to keep us moving to keep us getting to that thing because you know what, I have to present you pure and beautiful and spotless in, in, in Jewish customs, it was the best man the best man would, he would be responsible for the bride to be, he would look after her. he would make sure that she was well taken care of. So that on that day, she would arrive for his best man, for, for, the, for the, the, the groom, looking perfect. And we get to you. So yes, a couple of things that the Lord has given us stewardship of. And much of it you've had today already. So if you're sitting here and the time is, okay, well, it's, I've had 10.45, so bear with me. We're really 11.05, so there's probably more. But if you were sitting here and it was 10.45, you would already have been entrusted with 627 minutes today. 37,620 seconds of life since last night, 12 o'clock. It's amazing. It's a gift. How many of, you, how many of us here have lost people we love? Just recently, it's a hurtful thing. We're not guaranteed anything. But we get to steward life every single day. And you know what? Even your sleep. Even what time you go to bed. You yeah, know, playing games all night. <laughs> <laughs> even your sleep is something that you get to steward. You might think it's passive, isn't it? How many people here have had a bad night's sleep and you know what you like at work the next morning? Yeah. You like a zombie. Even 20 cups of coffee can't get you done. So we need to steward ourselves well. We can't go and or work, or watch TV, or just do whatever it is until 3 o'clock in the morning every single day and expect to be able to actually do what we need to do, to love our families, to put in a good day's work, to do all those things. So time is what we get. Every single day we get 86,400 seconds to steward. And if you think I'm being petty about breaking it up into seconds, you can go ask my daughter Titan how long 60 seconds can be before you get to up in your presence. <laughs> or if you come from work the of it and you're starving and that back to on one minute, 30 seconds, how long that the last 30 seconds can be because you, you just want to put that thing in your mouth. Seconds are precious. So I want to ask you, how are you spending your time? What are you spending it on? Who are you spending it with? And how much of it is being spent? In the service of the Lord and spent in the service of others. How much of it are we doing or taking to give to Jesus and say, This is for your glory? Not mine, no, for your glory. I do this for you. I get up early or I stand late for this or I put in extra effort to come to the church and to set up the sound and all the rest of those sort of things. But just to get up on a special day. Like my wife did an amazing job for my daughter yesterday. Organised riding horses with carla and pizzas for the kids. And it was just, she, she, she gave up everything. All the time. She was such She a long She met a number of people this week. But she did it. With a smile on her face. She spent her time in service of someone else because she loved them and it was worth it. So often we all, we all struggle. Let's be, let's be real with each other now. Uh, as much as, much as I'm your or, I'm, well, I'm one and how, how hard is it sometimes just to, to pray for 10 minutes? Yeah. Eh? It's difficult. It can be, it can be, it can literally be to you can say to your client mind, give this sometimes, that's how hard it feels. <laughs> or you say, how's this worship for 30 minutes? 10 minutes is cool, 15 minutes is stretching, 20 minutes is starting to twitch in our hey, We children, are going to call this thing because they're going to sit down and let's new one to the next event. We struggle to do those things. Come to church for two and a half hours. Church starts at 10, ends at 12. We've got another half an hour for pre prayer meeting and set up a fellowship. It's difficult. It's raining, it's cold, it's winter. Hey Amen. I'm just in the saddle. I'm just in the air. I'm just in the stage. You know? It's tough to do these things. But I have eternal rules. They do, and you will be rewarded for the things that we have in a sense up for the Lord. because He gave up even for us. But let me ask you this: How many Netflix series have we binged on in the last hour? How many games have we played? And some of these games, before you get stuck in, I play Fortnite. Every game of Fortnite is probably about 25 minutes, just one match. Hours to fly. <laughs> but I've got a wife that goes here that's good stewards of sunfall <laughs> that's why our wives that are but it's important that we remind ourselves about these things because we can slip back into patterns yeah. and we've got to constantly just the Lord just loving you brings us back I'm not hating any of you I'm not judging any of you but he does it first with me and then he says i go and help other guys just come back come back come back so when the Lord comes back my prayer. And if we had to sit and watch a video of Kevin's life, praying before us on that day, what would we see? How would we have seen him his time? Where would he have been putting his, his time into? What service would he have been doing? What would he have been committing himself to? What are you doing today with your time that's depositing into your internal inheritance? What are you doing in the temple that will be with us for the eternal? That's change number one. Are we good? Are you with me? No daggers throwing you Okay. The second thing, difficult one to speak about, but necessary, is our finances. So how many here would think that they how many in this room would think that they are wealthy? Not simple, just like for whoever listens to the speech online, we've got like three hands down. Just <laughs> so according to the World Bank, there's an interesting stat. If you are earning more than $5.5 for 80 Rand a day, you would be earning more than 46% of the planet. So that works out. So if you're earning a salary of around 1,760 Rand a month, you're in the top 54% of earners on this planet. So let's let that sink in. Most of the world, just under half of the world is earning less than 2,000 a month. And that's research that i got from 2018. I'd hate to see what that looks like now over the COVID-19 pandemic. Those numbers are probably skyrocketing. So why am I telling you that? I'm trying to put guilt on you. Or like that. I'm trying to say to you, blessed. We are blessed. We're inside when in it's raining outside. I've got a home to go home, to. I've got food in the cupboard. I've got a lot more than a lot of other people have got. And the Lord has blessed me. He's giving me stewardship of it every month. I get a salary that comes in. Some months it's up and some months it's down because I work on commission, but every month I get a salary. And I can give time money to go in the shops and buy food. And I can pay my electricity so that the power stays on. And I can pay them the water so that the water comes on. And if you think about it, if actually, as I was preparing this, I looked and I thought, you know what, how much did Jesus actually speak about money while he was on there? earth? And he actually spoke about it a lot. In fact, he used money as a subject to, to, to represent spiritual concepts out of 11, 11 parables out of 39, 40 parables was about money. 25% of the time he used money as the means to actually get a spiritual truth across to us. So it's definitely something on his mind. And it's definitely something that he knew we were going to struggle with. And it's not just you. It's not just you. I don't get paid by the church. I'm paying the church. (laughs) I'm paying the church to you. But that's because I've, I've seen once again he gives me the stewardship. He gives me the lens. that's on me. You know, I, I look at I, I thought about this week. You look at when the Pharisees were asking Jesus about paying tax to Caesar. What does he do? He sends a fish with a point in its mouth. Do, do you not think like the Lord could just magically deposit gold every single month? Boom, there it is for Josh Jane Church or for all of the churches around the world just drop some ball down enough to pay all of the expenses for the month. He could do that. He did it. He did it with the fish. It was enough to pay. But he gives it to us. And he says, come and be part of what I'm doing. Here. Come and be part of what we're doing. Here. And it's, it's, it's in order for us to, to see nations being impacted for the gospel. Josh Chen will probably be over 40 congregations by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. 40 many of those congregations are we talking 10 plus congregations will have been birthed during the COVID-19 pandemic we're reaching, we're reaching countless amounts of people and finance is one of the things that we need to share well otherwise we can't do it you know we have to because we to put a little church like this together just this if we had to have bought the chairs we just got speakers and all the rest of that sort of stuff. at the school, well over hundred thousand lines worth of equipment that's sitting in this today. So I had to find someone. And we get to be part of what the what the Lord is doing. And the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's not a sin to earn money, it's not a sin to earn a lot of money. I think somehow we almost get so twisted as a church if we look at someone who's driving a BMW X5 and we think, oh, you know, you could probably put more money in the, in the tipping job at the, at the church. But we actually don't know that that has actually been faithful with the miracle. And the Lord gave him more because he knew if I give to that guy, he'll give more. Yeah. Let us be this. Let's let be the type that actually attracts the blessing of heaven because he knows when I give it to Sean, it's going in the right place. He's going to bless, he's going to use it well. And if I, I, I just, I love this. go to the next scripture there. It's in um, Luke 19. This is an exchange. And there's just, there's so much in this, man. Are you guys still with me, yeah? yeah. It's very quiet, so it's well, a very good thing. <laughs> so Jesus entered through Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man by uh, the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy earning more than 2,000 a month, obviously. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, He could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must save your house. So he came down immediately, he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And the people saw this and began to mutter, mutter, He's gone to the house, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus, now look at this, stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Ach, look, Lord, here and now I give away half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. Is that not amazing? Jesus just went to him and said to him, Kevin, I'd like to come and have supper at your house. Is that right? And being in the presence of the Lord, the conviction comes on and he goes, I've given it up. because I never got it. It was never mine to have. I've stolen, I've cheated, I've taxed, I've done all these things, it wasn't mine. I want to give it away. I, I, I it means nothing to me in light of Jesus. He gives it away. And then he says, For anyone that you that I've cheated, not only will I recompense, I'll do four times more. And he's not even actually saying that yes. <laughs> Jesus has just called him. He's just said to him, Come, I want have dinner. How much more us as Bible being Christians should we have been looking for opportunities to take what the Lord has given us and really just to give it out to others, to give it to the church and trust it. That's the thing, guys. You've got to trust that. Eh? You have to trust it. the money that you're putting into the time is not buying my KFC for the next week. <laughs> That's why we have two people count the money and it comes in and then I take the cash and I pay it over. And if anybody wanted to see the list, I can show you. I'm quite happy to do that. I have no, no problems with that. But we're faithful with these things. And the church will advance. And it will grow. And we will see that there's more full-time elders that need to come. And let me tell you something else. this is a very, very busy job to do when you're still trying to do something else. There's only really We're still small. We're under 50. Imagine there's 100 and everyone's got a different need and everyone's got something that they want counselling or just love for and the fact is, I want to do it too if I haven't had you in my home for dinner for a while, or ever, I'm sorry I actually really want to be there but there's only 7 days a week in a Wednesdays community we need orientation at the moment usually you are meeting with different people there's prayer times, there's leaders meetings there's all these things going on so it's trying balance that we need full time elders sheep we need a shepherd sorry it's just a fact you're a shepherd you're a sheep and so on and he's the great shepherd the word says that so we need full-time elders. we need guys that are coming into into serving you and can i just tell you most of the guys that are coming on to full-time eldership within this the life of this church take significant pay cuts and make significant sacrifices to come on, like downselling their cars selling second vehicles that's what you'll see the bosses that are out there by and large are coming in very ordinary vehicles. Because they've gotten rid of the nice big Tucson's and all the rest of those things and they just try and sell functional so that they can cost you and me the least. Because I have to steward that thing. I have to make sure that when you put your trust in, as much as I'm talking to you and me about stewarding the money and giving, Josh Jen and the leadership team needs to steward what in terms of how to get it out. And they are very accountable, so you can be So I wanted to say that we have seen over the last while across the church that the finance is dropping. And I understand there's a lot of people without work and all the rest of it. But there's people in the life of this church that have been supported through the church in the last while. And that, I think, is indicative of the fact that we're not just asking you to give, we're also giving. We also are um, trusting um, that we can look after people. That brings me to the next one, I'm of time, okay. Um, people. We get to steward people. And that is probably one of the most important resources that can we will ever, ever, ever be given. And you have a, uh, you, Tess, yeah, Sybil, you have a sphere of influence. God has put people in your life for you to steward, to teach, to point to Jesus, to give a reason for this great hope that you have in your heart. If you're in the workplace, don't despise it. I remember getting saved, and all I wanted to do was go to full-time ministry. I was so head over heels in love with Jesus, I would have worked for nothing. I considered it. And a man that led me to the Lord, beautiful man of God, prophet in the house, and looked at me and said to Sean, he said, we need you in the workplace. Because there's people in the workplace that are never going to say, put in the church. And you need to be there. You need to be, them. you need to be with them. You need to be serving them. In your church, in your community, you have to be the one that's ready to serve. That gets in there first. When there's an opportunity to serve. That's me, do others. Not to be across faith, but because you've got this something of this beauty of serving Jesus. I remember two years ago somebody suggestion on my birthday I went across I was in charge to I was in charge of, of setup of the, the four tracker hall which is where the kids meet and I went to open the open the, the men's toilet and somebody had decided that they want to miss the seat. So on my birthday, my 42nd birthday, I was there spraying hand sanitizer and toilet roll on a seat, trying to clean the seat so that if someone else came in, they'd have a clean seat to sit on. Do you know I've never been happier in my life? I think it was one of my best birthdays ever. Because I just felt the Lord just going, my oh boy, we're cleaning a seat on a toilet. And no one will see it. No one would even have known that the seat wasn't clean. But you're doing it as unto me. Yeah. Yes man, it was a good feeling. Yeah. I love it. It was, it was probably the most holy thing I think I've ever done in my life. I'm serious. It was amazing. Because it was, it, it was none of me. I come a businessman. I'm, like, oh, I'm used to the finest. Now I must clean the toilet. In a kid's toilet. Come on, man. Who does that in the own state? You can't. But when the Holy Spirit comes, and he says, the way of service, you want to be a servant, you want to be the, the greatest among all, you go down. You want to be the greatest among us, serve. Go there. And that's what we call to. So in your church, in your community, be ready to pray. Be ready to bless. It doesn't have to be huge, it doesn't have to be financial. Sometimes you just need to smile. Sometimes Pauline just needs to not have that mask and just give a beautiful smile. Or Matthew gives someone a half-five. Sometimes, in serving people, we just doing the small things. I mean, really, it's about those small things, man. With your family, oh, gosh. dads. And I'm talking also to the single guys because you're also dads because my kids will look at you, and I'll see what men look like. We have to steward, we have to steward our kids and our families and our wives as well. The world's doing a terrible job. They are a horrible, horrible, horrible job. And children are growing up without any understanding of what good, solid authority looks like. Wives are growing up without a leader in their house that's pulling their family together that's praying, that's modeling integrity in the ways of God. We've got to do these things. If there's any hope for that generation, it's got to come from us men. We can't shrink away from it anymore. We've got to stand up and say, the the attack at this stage of the game, worldwide, if you ever look at it, is on men. Equal rights. All these things. I'm not against ladies being strong and having a voice. I'm not against that. But there's a way that the Lord built. Christ is head of the church. Christ is head of the man. Man is head of the woman. Sorry, that's the way it is. But I know that you would all be a lot worse off if I didn't have that woman next to me. I promise you. She she is truly my helper. When the Lord looked down at Adam and said, no, it's not good, he needs a helper. He could just as well be an husband and needs alpha. Where, and can I give him someone who's soft and gentle and just gonna oh, say, oh, sorry, boop, boop, my boy? No. He's like, hey, man, I've got stuff to do. You're on a journey. But I see what others are just soft. Enough. I'm there you go. Moms. Moms. Wives. You know the Bible says husbands love their wives? Wives, respect your husbands. Respect them. They need that respect. They feel that respect. When I'm given respect, I want to earn it. Isn't it is funny how it works? Eh? When someone gives you trust, you want well, to be trusted. Trustworthy. Oh, Wives, respect your husbands. Respect them. They need it. Respect them. Believe in them. Encourage them. Right? For you guys, it's tough, kid. You're not a man. You don't live in a man's world. In a man's world, it's tough. So, not walking up to him giving you half hours away, telling him about how good he looks and how nice he is and how much they appreciate the work that he does. His boss is sitting down with a man and saying, how many units will we moving this week, get? Last week you we said five, we've only had three. What are you going to do to change it? There's not a lot of love, there's not a lot of understanding, there's not a lot of love compassion, and there's really not a lot of respect. So, we need your hands, it's good. So I need to really steward your family life. I promise you, she's going to get anything she wants out of me when I feel respected. Because then I'm like, oh, sure, you know, this is about me. I, I need to do this thing. I need to get it right. Finally, the gospel. Do you know that the Lord has entrusted the gospel to you? Yeah. He's given it to you to steward. And you just need to check to your colleagues your friends every single day in the workplace. And you'll just see how shallow and challenging their hope was. Can anybody throw, their, throw your mind back I don't know how long it now, 8 months, 12 months ago? Biden versus Trump. Yeah. Huh? Trump was the saviour of the world. Where is he now? Yeah. So all of those people whose hope was and I'm not having to go to Trump, I'm not having to go to Biden, I'm just saying. Some put their their trust in people. My hope is in this president. He's going to change. and things are going to happen, it's going to be amazing. And it doesn't happen. And then we have people, we're not going to get into this, but we have people who have got their hope in the vaccine. Or their hope is not in the vaccine. Let me tell you something. Your hope is not in the vaccine or not in the vaccine. Your hope is in Jesus. It's only Him. It can only be in Him because when you set your hope on anything else you're going to fall and it's going to hurt and our friends and our and, and how many people said if I just get the next promotion just I, just need to get that job if we just get there if I just get this next deal our hope is constantly being put aside, we've got the gospel of Jesus in us and you can sit with your friend who's struggling with depression and anxiety he doesn't know which way to go anymore He's on the, on the brink of being retrenched at work. He's behind on the house paints. He's getting calls from Standing Bank every other day to go, when are you up? When are you up? If his hope is not in Jesus, what has he got? You know, if I'm walking, if we walk out here now, I'm strolling down, and as I go along the beach, I see a child drowning. This is it not my responsibility to either see if there's a lifeguard around, and if there's no one, this is it not my responsibility to jump in the water? And to try and save them, even if it costs not enough. But we don't see the lost like this. We don't see our colleagues as drowning. You see them as, oh, nice guys, and you know, they're swears, and they drinks, and they smokes, and oh, yes. You no, know, but the Christians, would do that. But actually, they're drowning. And someone loved you. If you're in the and you call Jesus Lord. Someone loved you enough to take the gospel and come and give it to you. And say, hey, you know not Kev, this is this is the truth. This is what it's all about. And you have opportunities to do that every single day is to take this great hope, this Jesus that we have, into the world and tell them about it. And if they reject it, that's all right. That's all them. Right. There's stats that say people will hear the gospel seven times or seven or eight times before they actually respond. So if you need to be number one, be number one. But I promise you, one day you'll be number seven. And you'll get the great privilege of meeting someone who didn't know Jesus to the Lord. And one day in heaven, I believe there'll be a reward for you for having got out of your safety, safety bubble and actually led someone into an eternal Lord mm. Life with Him. It's a joy. It's a privilege. And it's a commandment. Going to all the world, making disciples of others, teaching them to obey. And I want to encourage you in this next week. Take what God's giving you. Take what God's giving you, give you the hope that He's giving you, and share it with somebody. It doesn't have to be eloquence. You don't have to be Billy Graham. You see someone that's hurting. Spend two minutes talking to them. Tell them about your hope. And you know what? Like the Lord says in Mark 16, it says the Lord worked with them. Mm -hmm. Jesus works with us. We've got the Holy Spirit in us. So may we be found faithful in shooting all of these many things that the Lord has given to us. Mm -hmm. Is that okay? Mm -hmm. You guys are right. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's pray together before we, we close. Father, oh, uh, who are we that you are mindful of us? Yeah. <laughs> who are we that you would trust us even with air in our lives? I want to pray for us as a people and for us as, as a group of individuals as well. That that which we've heard this morning would have stirred us and would have provoked us and it would have motivated us mm-hmm. in the areas of stewardship that we would know that it's a great amazing privilege to have been given anything of yours. And I pray that we would take responsibility today in our own lives for student time and finances and people and most importantly the gospel. Would you help us to be those that are not just hearers of the word but doers. Those that will actually take what you've given us and give it away so that we can reproduce fruits. And one day when we get to heaven and we stand before you, we'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servants. Father, I pray for us. Pray for those that are not children. May we be a people that love you, not just in word, but in need. We're willing to give up everything and anything in pursuit of your glory. I pray for your protection and your blessing over each person by this word of land on, on fertile ground, I rebuke anyone that would come to steal any bit of faith, any bit of, of um, advancement that's coming. And I ask you to protect us that come, on, Holy Spirit, even right now, just wash over this group of people.